How is this so difficult? Steve is massively improving my mood. <laughs> Steve, has, Steve is cheering me up. Do it again. <laughs> I don't think he's cheering himself up. <laughs> Are you in a bad mood then? What's uh, football's not, soccer's not put you in a bad mood, has it? Don't let it. Not the sport itself. Don't ever let it win. The sport itself remains glorious, Jim. It, it does, you're right, yeah. It remains utterly glorious. Yeah, yeah. I had a dream last night that... Not about uh, me, again. No. Oh. Mm. Actually, I had a really strange dream. Steve, you know Addy Adedoyen? Um, so this is a guy, uh, a reporter who works for World Service and also does some, some telly stuff. He's a boxing and athletics reporter right. and he is a wonderful, lovely, lovely guy. And he's also very good at his job. Um, I had a dream about him being a murderer last night. Is that right? <laughs> yes. And we were on the run together, which was fun. Were you, My, were you, were you um, shielding him from the authorities? Uh, yeah, it was like involved kind of getting on boats and swimming. Yeah, well, clearly you weren't doing any of the murdering. So no, nope, I was doing, not like, the booking of the, the ferries and stuff like that, all the, all the, <laughs> the practical admin. stuff. I was just, I, I had a... murder admin. Yes. <laughs> I had a, a, a righteous Bundy's PA, a righteous <laughs> conviction that Addy was in fact innocent, even though I saw him do all the murdering. The only dream that I that I ever have that I can remember, and I have it basically every every night now, is I dream just as Ed starts to wake me up. I dream that it is forty five minutes later than it actually is, which is a really confusing way to start the day. So I dreamed he woke up at five this morning, and I dreamt it was five forty five, and I was remember thinking, well, that's not so bad. Five forty five is almost six, and then I looked at my phone because I don't have a watch. And so it was five. And it's really confusing if you have a dream immediately before you wake up, or even as you wake up, that it's a completely different time. It's really hard to get your kind of body... Maybe that's why I'm in a bad mood. Because <laughs> it's really hard to get your body... You've got no idea what time it is. So you basically start every day disappointed. <laughs> yes, I start <laughs> every day exhausted, thing. disappointed, and in some sort of existential time-based fog. Incredible. It's uh, not we, great. We, we, we normally do lots of emails, obviously, but we've just got a little email from Rodri Evans, who's our Partridge fan, and he's, he's <laughs> emailed to say, Rory, mate. Don't do it. Have the summer off. I hope you don't like cricket and have strong World Cup, women's football or cricket opinions. I love your writing and you were great on Monday Night Club the other night. Leave the bots be and they'll crawl back into their holes. You have, oh, that's nice. You have sympathetic that's really nice. listeners because they have noticed how it has been tough for you. It's been tough for me the last few days. days. But I am really looking forward. I'm doing the Women's World Cup or some of the Women's World Cup um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm genuinely... And I have a plan to go literally as almost as far away as possible for work whilst on a story, which I just I just need them to approve the budget for, <laughs> which um which is a legitimate story and it's not me escaping at all with my mate Kieran, but um <laughs> the I'm hoping to yeah to go north of the North Pole in August. That's oh where, really? That's where everyone wants wants to spend their summer. So I'm but north I'm, of the North. Can you go? Oh, north coming, north 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 isn't that coming back down again? If you yeah. forty kilometres north of the North Pole. Is there north a of, no, 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 north of the Arctic Circle. Right, yeah. Ah, that's okay, a different, yeah. that's completely I think, different, yeah. I think it's impossible, isn't it, to go north of the Yes, just Steve is Well right. done, you Steve, start, yeah, you, you, you pulled him up there. You start. Yeah, geography, not well your strong point. I'm paying attention for once in my life. Well done, yeah. Steve, why? Is there, is there a football club there, or is there just some sort of butland? I shouldn't really give away, should I give away my content? I don't oh, know. no, no, you shouldn't, absolutely no, so, not. So, I'm not going to Tromso, are you? In, I'm going to Greenland, I'm hoping to go to Greenland, where they play the entire football season in a week. That is brilliant. And you will hopefully go there for a whole week? Yes. You'll get the whole season. How many games? Uh, so they have in the they, there are to be fair there are regional qualifiers to work out who gets into it but there there are games every day for five to seven days depending on the organisers and there are six teams 
Who's who's strongly fancied for the uh, overall? Is there a title? I don't know, but I've decided that whoever finishes second, I'm going to call Bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I would imagine that a week is way long enough to have some sort of perceived media bias yeah. during I'm, it. No, I am. I'm gonna, like, I think the, the, a lot of them are called like B97 and stuff. So I'm going to just pick one and decide to be, just, just decide to be to be horrible about them constantly. <laughs> For no reason. Accuse them of buying success. What is hashtag agenda in Danish? That's what I would like to know. Or, no, but it's not just Danish. All the emails do they do they have all sorts of different no, all, dialects in Greenland? All the emails from the the KAK, which is the Greenland the Greenland Football Union or something, the Greenland Football Union, are in Danish, English, and I, what I think is some form of Inuit, but I might be wrong. It's for, not for it's the not northern Danish. above the North Pole parts. Stop mocking me about being above the North Pole. <laughs> if you, you I'm in a bad mood. Above the North Pole, if you fly, do you think yeah, Green, possibly. Yeah. You think Greenland football is going to be about the high press, or you you're just not sure what you're going? This could be great. This could be like football from like the 1920s. Or am I being really awful about Greenland football here? Is it going to? What kind of football are you expecting to see? The polar opposite of what we know. Oh, <laughs> this excellent. is set piece many. The podcast where four <laughs> friends talk football over food. Um, the food has been provided by Stephen. We are uh, for the first time in his kitchen with the doors open. Stephen, would you like to describe the scene that we are currently enjoying here, both food and geographically wise? Well, the scene sort of stops being impressive the minute you look beyond the bifold doors because <laughs> our yard is in a bit of a state and some local wrecking crew have come around and ruined the hedge that was quite splendid behind the house. That's not so a sympathetic hedge trim, is it? <laughs> it they is have not, gone at no. that with flamethrowers. It's not been done with any degree of elegance. I think someone just said Dakaris and basically that was the end result. Mm. Uh, but the sky is blue. There's some fluffy white clouds as you normally get in Manchester in May. So all is well. Joining me, Hugh Ferris. Ah, Stephen Wyeth, not the holder of the most Premier League assists in a season by a defender. Rory Smith, not the holder of the most Premier League assists in a season by a defender. And Andy Hinchcliffe, not, Not the holder oh. of the most Premier League assists in a season by a defender. Rory, you were, at, you were at Anfield for the final day of the season when Trent Alexander-Arnold got the, what must be for Liverpool, the most crucial uh, thing of the season to be able to knock Hinchcliffe and Bates oh. off their perches. It was brilliant, actually, just as all the Wolves, all the Wolves fans were positioning about, about Man City, chanting, Man, chanting City, City, City. I think at Brighton, the Brighton fans had been chanting 1-0 to Liverpool. The, City, the Man City fans at Brighton had gone through a full gamut of of anti-Liverpool chants rather than celebrating their own victory. Uh, I think the there were anti-Liverpool chants from, from Everton at Spurs. There were and there were Leicester fans celebrating the goals at going in at mm-hmm. the Tin Power. The Man City goals going at the Tin Power. All Anfield was chanting was up yours Hinchcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> Have Which some of that. Uh, you can get in touch uh, with the podcast at Set Piece Menu is where we are on Twitter. Set Piece Menu at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Set Piece Menu. Uh, we have received many emails, as I mentioned before. Firstly, about uh, advertising hoardings that move. Um, and can be distracting, whether it's a sausage dog or not. Uh, Fed- Frederick uh, Hoyer, you remember him, the pronunciation yeah, yeah, guy? Yeah. It's hard to forget, link. really, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to forget. <laughs> hard to say correctly first time. Mm. Uh, send us a link to Tiago Alcantara passing to Santa oh, while yeah, playing yeah, for yeah, Bayern. Yeah. A lot of you also reminded us of the moment that Renato Sanchez confused yeah. a Swansea player for a white background. Yeah. So these things are happening and they don't necessarily need a sausage dog at Goodison Park I was there for a game recently and I, I tested the theory because they had the hoardings not the sausage dog one that seems to be more Bournemouth or is, it, is that well, sausage Bournemouth dog Bournemouth are sponsored by there we go. Company. Uh, but it is and I was trying to think are they angled so if you're on the pitch you can see them they are it wouldn't have 
put me off because I was supremely talented. But <laughs> modern day players who do get bamboozled by Santa Claus or a Pigeons. sausage dog would probably have passed. I wouldn't have done that, clearly. I'd have put a pinpoint crossing. Uh, on awards, which was SPM 127, Mark Cole, who I think was our original Buffalo, has got in touch to say this. Dear Ed, Hector and others. Yep. Uh, from a North American point of view, the fact that English football gives out one, not one, but two sets of awards before the season is over is strange. Certainly in 2019, logistics should not be a concern any longer. We were talking about the PFA Award and the FWA Award. I'm surprised the Premier League has not stolen a page from Steve's beloved National Hockey League. For the last number of years, following I the playoffs, the NHL has an awards banquet in Las Vegas where they hand out the league's various prizes. This kind of glitzy showpiece seems right up the alley for football. What with their FIFA and UEFA galas held in Monte Carlo and similar destinations, the Premier League could very easily hold an awards due the Monday after the season to hand out all the hardware before players jet off to their national teams or well-needed vacations. That wouldn't work, though, because the media is too busy um, trying to spoil the party of whoever's won the title if it's not Liverpool. So we, we'd all be distracted. <laughs> it is odd, though, that Van Dijk won the Premier League Player of the Year and there was literally no ceremony. They just gave him one of those weird rectangles at, at training on like Thursday or Friday. That, that was it. There Although was no it was the latest award of the three, so well done yeah, to them. So, but sure, yeah, he's right. Like, surely the Premier League, it's not beyond the wit of the Premier League to organise, not necessarily the day after, but like, a week after or maybe cup final day you have a banquet that night to announce well, how many, how many games love. before the end of the season is it announced so how many more games do they play after he'd won it there's about three weeks there was three mm. weeks I think of the season left it used to be earlier it used yeah. to be mid to early April it is now is anything the end going to change yeah I agree it should be at the end of the season but is anything going to really change from the, the vote is then the, the, to the vote the, afterwards the, the voting takes place at roughly the same same time even yeah. though the ceremony is a little bit later mm. on the mm. ceremony is later for a little bit of PR I imagine to make it less susceptible to right. criticism but there are definitely um, there is definitely a, a long time between the end of the season, a lag and the voting. And my research is ongoing, by the way. Today. Thank you very Thank much. I've been speaking to people at different clubs about who they voted for and who they supported to find some correlation. Do we have any early indications? Uh, no, we don't. No. no. I do think the Premier League players would quite like the idea of an end-of-season ceremony in Las Vegas, though. Yeah, that, that bit. Yeah, They'd get on board yeah. with that quickly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, now, last week, you remember, John Griffin got in touch asking about whether, as the situation was at the time and actually remained, a record with four defeats but two draws is better than one defeat and seven draws. We said yes. Uh, well, what John didn't tell us is that he is an associate professor of political science at the School of Law at the University of Colorado in Boulder. With that in mind, in the States, he we? has followed up with this. The arguments supporting the group's conclusion were, and I paraphrase, one, we can't change the rules so that Liverpool win the title. And two, although the media, <laughs> I think, uh, as a whole, homogeneously, would have liked to have done we that. We did decide that at the start of the season. Yes, that's true. As did Richard Scudamore, apparently. And two, the team winning the most games should win the title. However, the group didn't really engage with the question of whether the three-to-one win-draw points ratio accurately rewards a win versus a draw in the eyes of footballers, uh, football followers. To test this, I commissioned a poll, says John, in which online workers were paid a small sum to answer two questions. His budget is bigger than ours. <laughs> First, without naming a sport or a team by name, the poll asked responders uh, their opinion about which of two teams should be declared champion. A team with City's record and a team with Liverpool's record. The software I used randomly ordered these two response options to account for the fact that people are inclined to think the team listed first is the best performing. With more than 300 responses recorded at time of writing, 61.3 of them, to 38.7%, said that the team with just 30 wins should be declared the champion. So just the media responding then. Just the British media. <laughs> just the journalists. <laughs> to further examine whether this is driven by affinity towards Liverpool, the survey then asked which Premier League team they most support without permitting respondents to then go backward and change their 
uh, votes. To be sure, 62% of Liverpool supporters thought that the team with 30 wins should be named champion. However, 66% of Man City supporters thought that the team with 30 wins should be named champion. So actually... Um, The agenda is amongst Manchester City fans. The results suggest spectators objectively think Liverpool's record is superior. I understand that the teams began this year knowing the rules rules and playing strategically according to those rules. In that light, Manchester City merit being champions. However, the evidence above is suggestive that those rules need to be reconsidered. From John D. Griffin, large signature about where he comes from. But it's, it's I, not like, about, I it's, like, is he, is he professor? We should be addressing him as professor. He is an associate professor of political science at the School of Law in the University well, of Colorado. Then, so he's, he's Professor Griffin. That's professor how we Griffin. should address him. Yes. Pro. Pro Griffin. Pro Griffin. What sort of professor It's not the team, team that wins the most games. Of it's law. the team with the most points. Of political science. Yeah, but Over what, the course of and Then the argument is, is again, three, should you get three points for a win compared to a point for a what, draw? Yeah, that, That's more of an argument than saying the team with the most points, whether you win... Pro- the professor Griffin, who I like to think of as being the fun professor at the University of Colorado, yes, definitely, the one yeah. that, definitely yeah. jacket and jeans with uh, with arm patches. Yeah, bow tie yeah. maybe as well. Only if it's quirky. Okay, yeah, it will not, be not quirky. a traditional, a kind of like it's Professor Griffin. Uh, it's going to be quirky, right? Okay, mm. two or three stunning innovations from his classes every every <laughs> yeah. semester. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say. Yeah, but I think yeah, he he kind of reflects that, doesn't he? That that Man City obviously are champions, so mm-hmm. they got more points. That's how it worked. But there is probably a conversation to be had, and and. Given the current climate of my Twitter mentioned, I'm not going to be having it now. But yeah, you, you, it's an interesting idea that is three points for a win and one point for a draw. Is that does that accurately re- reward those results? What, in a way? what, what would you because say should be different? Do you think well, it should be different? Not, not really. They introduced three points for a win. Obviously, for for over a century, it was two points for a win, one point for a draw, which mathematically is much more sound. If you rearranged it to two points for a win, one point for a draw, as it was until the early 1980s. Uh, you would have City dot thirty two wins. So it's 60, 64 plus two sixty six and Liverpool thirty plus sixty seven. So Liverpool would have won the league by one, one point, point under two of the points other way around. Win. But that obviously, obviously this is not an, an exercise. Our listeners should be aware that we're not going to indulge in an exercise to say, well, actually Liverpool should have won the league if it was two points for a win. Three points for the whole three points for a win system is, is corrupt. The rest of the media can do that for us. Yes, yeah, so there's plenty of people doing that. I'm sure the think pieces are in the pipeline. But the <laughs> the um <laughs> There is, there is probably a, yeah, there is probably an interesting discussion to be had over whether there is a better way of, of reflecting the results. I guess in, the, I don't know. Would you, would you want like a bonus the, point like there is in rugby? Two, two points changed to three points because too many, too many teams were satisfied with, with draws. draws. Yeah, so, the, so the, the you can understand why that happened. Introducing three points for a win led to theor- well, in theory, it was introduced to encourage attacking play. Although, like all these rule changes, it's immediate. The immediate kind of effect was the total opposite of what they thought it would be because it actually it, it didn't reward draws but it um kind of punished defeats much more so you ended up with teams playing more defensively initially but obviously now football is glorious and we can't we can't we wouldn't want to change it so what about two points for a win and then if you score more than three goals you get a bonus point i'm not i've got i'm not i'm not averse to the idea of bonus points i don't i don't think they're entirely ridiculous i'm a i am a bit against that they, they, suggestion yeah. because one of the is it, is it a 2-1 win the same as a 6-1 win? The great thing about football from the point of view of working out the points is it's fairly easy. clean yeah, and easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, an awful lot of American sports are judged against team with the most wins. How does your record compare, you know, games won? Because there is very, very, influ- you know, points aren't shared. You either mm-hmm. win or you lose. 
certainly I think in ice hockey if you go to over if you lose in overtime you get a point mm-hmm. and the winning team gets the extra point so they get two to one but then you've got a crazy situation where some games are worth two points and others can be worth three if they go to overtime and it all starts to get a bit messy football is quite it's clean easy, in yeah. that regard you get three points for a win one point for a draw nothing if you lose pretty much everyone knows where they stand and if there's and any ties the world. yeah it's yeah. uniform and you read the split on goal difference or head-to-head record, depending on where you are. If you start tinkering with that, if you start throwing bonus points in, yeah, it gets a bit messy. The simplicity of football in storing part of in lot of ways is, is, is should not be compromised. Uh, to be no doubt considered further in the future. And remember Beck Richmond and her love for Trumpy Pig. Uh, well, she is back. Good day to you, says Beck. Let's get straight down to business. Is Andy Hinchcliffe the only pundit left who understands grammar? He is linguistically <laughs> erudite in the face of ignorance all over the airwaves. I can't take it anymore, she says in capital letters. Mm. Am I the only one, she asks. Surely, given your roles, she says to us, in the world of football, the four of you can't be immune to this. Don't people get coached on this stuff when they join the pundit elite? I am genuinely curious to know if and how training works when you step off the pitch and take hold of a microphone, because it's shocking. I refer you back to some previous podcasts. But, she just says... In a couple of hours, in a recent weekend alone, they done it, what he done. (laughs) Those two things is what Manchester United need to focus on. (laughs) This is not me, by the way. This is other people, isn't it? All season, we've been saying about Arsenal. And finally, they give it away today. (laughs) Has she been watching Gillette Soccer Saturday? The postscript is this. I won't put any Robbie Savage quotes on here because barely a sentence goes by that he doesn't masticate live on the BBC or BT Sport. No, 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 no. What hope is there for young viewers and listeners, she says. Chinch and Rory, and this really is the coup de grace. Chinch and Rory, please let your employers at Sky and the BBC respectively know that I willingly offer my services as a grammar coach. This cannot go on. Well, what also cannot go on, uh, Beck, is that the two people that you don't mention actually do get work from the BBC. <laughs> are actually employed by the BBC. <laughs> uh, at Menu and setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Um, that's a really good point. So I don't know if you're familiar with the word of Bean Bunny. Oh, I'm not. No, is it? You oh, the TV watch? show. Bing, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. George, a bit, bit old for it now, but George loves Bing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we too old? Bing Bunny. Bing is Prim watching Bing. Yeah, be, be a Oh, the TV show Bing. Giant black rabbit. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. We have watched right. that. Yeah. So it's about a giant black rabbit yeah. and his adventures. It, it, the plots are thin at best, but <laughs> Ed quite likes it, and um, does he likes giant rabbits? I find Bing slightly frightening. But anyway. I was having a chat with a friend of mine who said that she got really annoyed by t- children's TV. She, her kids are a bit older now, but she got really annoyed by t- kids' TV shows where, th- where they kind of put in cutesy pronunciations to the characters. So Bin says extraordinary instead of extraordinary. And I said, well, is that not good? Because it's kind of, that's how kids talk. Kids make those mistakes. She said, no, no, no. The problem is that they see it on TV, so they make the mistakes. Yeah. It encourages bad... Bad role models, Bad really. Thing, aren't they? they shouldn't. They shouldn't kind of dumb down to kids. And it sounds really stupid. But they shouldn't say, "Well, that's what kids sound like." So let's make them sound like a kid. They should be setting an example. So maybe that's true of um, of our football pundits as well. Maybe that maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe they are d- encouraging bad grammar. Well, Bing, Bing would be a terrible pundit. That's a st- <laughs> extraordinary. God, how does he say it? extraordinary? Extraordinary. That's a extraordinary goal. I can name several pundits that he would <laughs> yeah. be better than. Um, but you said, did you mention about he training? Is a giant fictional rabbit. Yes, <laughs> training. 
for former players well, in you, the media. That would be a, a you have a manifesto. Well, Jim, and, I, I um, do. Eventually, I do. it will be adopted by all leading broadcasters. Mm. Uh, and if you'd like to go back to our punditry episode, which I think is in the nineties, um, then uh, you will hear that manifesto. Not the nineteen nineties. No, we've been doing yeah. this podcast that long. Now it is that time of year. The Premier League has pronounced Manchester City are its champions. But more importantly, obviously, is what did we make of it all? Yes, it's time for the second annual SPM Hot Takes and Takeaways after another English League season. There will be many, and there will also be the great revelation of who is our SPM PLPL champion, unless you've already looked and you already know. More important than that is which one of us did best. And actually, even more important than that is which one of us four did worst. Uh, And that will be forthcoming. And was it Steve? Very soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we start uh, with this email from Chris Walker to just get us going. He asked this question uh, pertinent to what we've been witnessing over the last nine months. What is your favourite kind of title race and why? One, the quest for perfection. The EPL this season, Spain in about 2011 when Barcelona and Real Madrid mm. got at 99-ish points where teams win every week and it's a case of whoever loses first loses the league. Number two, the nobody's perfect race. Both teams are consistently winning but drop points so that the lead concertinas. And three, the Devon... Oh, no, there's a fourth. Sorry. So three, the Devon Lock. A team has a massive lead and then loses form. Meanwhile, the other gets some form together and claws back the lead. There is the added added jeopardy of will they run out of games in which to overtake them? Absolutely. The Kevin Keegan Newcastle team. And four, the games in hand race. One team is ahead of the other, but the lower team have games in hand, which would mean they would go top, providing pressure for both teams, e.g. Arsenal against Manchester United Mm. in 1998. We've had number one. What is your favourite and did this year fill you with joy? So where did Leicester fit into that? Their title win was that? Number five, ridiculous. Just completely and utterly unexpected. Yeah. Was that good? Was that good? Did you enjoy that season? Yeah, I think Leicester was... I think the Leicester season was the most <coughs> remarkable Premier League season. I think that was the... It was so anomalous, I guess it doesn't necessarily fit into what it is for it's, because it's a category it of doesn't its own. repeat. It, the category is the Leicester. But, I, yeah, that was... I think that was... You couldn't take your eyes off that at all. Whereas, to be honest, this year, as much as it's been amazing watching them, I got totally and utterly... You know, uh, in the new partridge, Ruth Dudgeon the woman who will not agree with Alan yes. Yes. out of principle. Mm. Henry Winter did that to me on, on the radio on Sunday. <laughs> uh, the, the, um, the, there's been, a, there, there comes a point. <laughs> Good morning, Henry. Good afternoon, Rory. What are those type of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely day, isn't it? Well, I've seen better. <laughs> <laughs> could you, could you give us a little example? No, it's not fair. I mean, I'm, I'm happy just to leave my slight dig at Henry. All oh, right, okay, fine. Uh, Evidence the, available via the iPlayer. Yeah, right, if you want to listen to it on BBC Sounds, feel free. The, um, <laughs> even you're plugging it now. I know, everyone's plugging it. And you're not it. even contractually obliged. Well, it's Ed's first word. Well, you, <laughs> you are, of course, employed by the BBC. I'm not employed by them. <laughs> well, I, I, Beck says. Be- I what Beck says goes. Yeah. to them. Beck uh, likes Trumpy Pig. She knows what's right. I go on as a New York Times brand building exercise. <laughs> the, um, yeah, I think that there's come a point where it actually got a little... I wanted a twist. I wanted some sort of, of it needed an extra the, the last twist really came on March the 3rd which is two months of two teams just winning football matches and Johnny Lou so it's 14 in a row for City and 9, nine in, in a row, row for, for Liverpool. Liverpool Johnny Lou said, in a, said, said to me on a, on a text a few weeks ago that, that it just feels like a, there's been a lot of wasted time and his example was the two weeks where they both had to play Cardiff and Fulham <laughs> what's the point <laughs> and I, that's a really that, that, that kind of struck it home to me that like there have been games where you've been going into it thinking, well, yeah, this is just, especially with City, they're going to win. So what's the... The, the whole build-up is, is the narrative around, oh, maybe this team could potentially derail it. But and then four minutes in, they're one-up yes. and you think, no. Very so rarely will that happen. The, 
I think Liverpool, there was a bit more drama with Liverpool just as they had more late winners and stuff, but it, they did come a point where it was a bit like, this This needs an extra... Narratively, it didn't work, basically. I, I would have preferred... Would you prefer them b- b- being a point apart, but both losing a little bit I, more I would have the liked, I would have the same outcome, but with maybe four points or five points fewer for both teams. There was also the extraordinary thing. Yes, the, the points accrued by Manchester City and Liverpool, an admirable achievement. Fantastic, we'll very possibly never see the like of it again. But a lot of the narrative around it was though that these points had somehow been gathered from some mystical bonus points chamber that nobody previously knew about. There are a finite number of points to be gained by the 20 teams in the Premier League each season. And if the top two get 195 between them, it means that lots of other teams have fallen quite a long way short mm. of where they would have expected to be. And, and the teams between third and second, a uh, third and sixth, got a lot fewer points between them than they have done in the last three or four years. And the teams in the bottom three between them have never got as few points mm. in the Premier League era. So those points had to come from somewhere. It just was a result of the top two teams being much, much further ahead mm. than everybody else. So, yeah, well done to them. But those points, they didn't magic them out of thin air. But, but, but we prefer the idea, don't we, in terms of being entertained for longer in the season for two teams winning all the points and being a large gap to third than one team winning all the points and there being a large gap to Absolutely. second. Because the, the, the only interest in Manchester City's win last time around was how many they would get mm. and how many records they would chalk off. This time around, at least it has been two teams chalking off all manner of records together. And I appreciate that there haven't been slip-ups along the way, that nobody blinked. But we still think that if it had been one team, Liverpool or Manchester City, winning 98 or 97 points and then everybody some distance behind, bearing in mind it followed last season, we would not be particularly engaged. No, last season was brilliant for City. And it was amazing watching them hunt down those records and, and just set all these new bars. It was but incredible we're grateful that doesn't happen but, all the mm, time. But that is not, that's why Richard Studemore said at the start of this season that it's better for the Premier League if there is a race, which was not, as it was taken in some quarters, as proof that he was going to f- bribe the referees <laughs> to give Fabinho free kicks. But the <laughs> Scudamore actually was in the ear of the linesman. It's amazing how Richard Scudamore referees all, all of Liverpool's games and doesn't get noticed. But the, he's almost especially saying he doesn't have the job anymore. There's only does he <laughs> referee as many games a season as Kune Shakir does in the in the Champions League. <laughs> you know, Kune Shakir has refereed every single Champions League game I've ever seen. It's incredible. It's <laughs> true. The, Him um, and Damir Scamina. Scamina. That's the fellow. The, yeah, um, yeah. the Mates, obviously, I took over from Victor Tessai, who used to be the only Champions League And he took over from Roberto Rossetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, but yeah, the, that, that wasn't a great... It was brilliant for City. It was a brilliant sort of historical achievement, but it wasn't a great title race. You'd have to really be put, you're pushing it to... Well, it, was it, it wasn't a race. You it was a race you, amongst it was a race themselves that, and history. They yeah. were racing history. The, you, you couldn't have that. You wouldn't want that every season. It would be boring. And you could have had a race that was equally close and equally intriguing if they had been dropping, dropping points. points yeah. They didn't have to both win every week for it to produce that. If if the, the, the rest had got a bit closer, I mean, what was it? Second to third. So Liverpool to Chelsea was 25 yeah, points. Yeah. That was bigger than the gap from Chelsea to Crystal Palace in 12th. So, yeah, it was the top two. It was thrilling. Yeah. But it would have been even more thrilling if the the rest of the top six had been closer and it had a say in the title race. But isn't, isn't that the biggest problem now? That distance between second and third and the rest of those teams. Are we just going to see either the title with City like we saw it last season? Or are we going to see two teams going head-to-head as we saw this season 
in the next few seasons as well because the other side seems so clearly so far behind that either City are just going to City have set the bar for themselves mm. I can't see City in the next four or five seasons not getting 95 points a season yeah, so it's right. whether Liverpool they look like the only side who can maybe go toe to toe with them no one else is anywhere near so either we're going to get City completely dominating the league or Liverpool again performing incredibly to maybe chase them down is that, is that the title races now we're going to see is that all we can see in but the next four or five years Pep Guardiola said and he has been desperate to try and say this I think as much as possible because I don't think anybody else from within the club wants to well particularly fans won't want to say this is that the reason that City were this good was because of Liverpool and he has said mm. that the only reason I'm not that sure City I agree. Got, I'm not sure I agree. I think City are that good anyway, he, he regardless has, of who whether well, someone's he, chasing he them. He has not. given Liverpool that credit. He yeah. has said that, that the true, reason though? the reason that City got 98 points is because Liverpool got 97. Had Liverpool not got 97 points, had Liverpool been better than last year but not as good as they were this year, so potentially 85 mm-hmm. points, then City might have got 88. Yes, they might have won the league, but they wouldn't. They were propelled forward, knowing that they couldn't lose a game because mm-hmm. they knew how good Liverpool were. So. Manchester City standards were, yes, set by their desire to be good and the fact that they were good last year and they didn't want to, to come off that sort of level. But genuinely, their standards it specifically to get to there, to 98 points, were chiefly because of Liverpool getting 90. That's even more of a worry if it takes if, if City are going to be fantastic, probably going to win the league anyway, and if a team threaten them, they're going to get even better. So the chances that, of actually overtaking yes. them are pretty much impossible. But for all the criticism of Manchester City, that that, that is... The, the thing that represents them the best to yeah, say that yeah, they are okay. capable yeah. of responding to that mm. if, if it is necessary. Now, it's mm. not to say that if it isn't there that they just drop off and they're rubbish, but I think that that is a, a proof of their abilities to mm. be able to respond to that. If Liverpool hadn't pushed them, and I, think, I presume this is what Guardiola means, if Liverpool hadn't pushed them, come April, if City are six, seven points clear, he rests players in the lead to save them for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So they maybe draw at Burnley, they, they maybe exactly. draw at Palace, they lose the Manchester derby, they drop five, six, seven points. Then th- I think they would have broken nine, I think then base level is like 90... One ninety-two, ninety-three. I don't anyway. think it'd be that bad that they lose the Manchester derby. No, that's true. <laughs> but, but but you're right. That was at a point of the <laughs> draw, maybe game, they games win by one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but get games at that point of the season yeah, is, is what you mean. It was late April. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was no, after okay, the yeah. If they break into a sweat semi-final, if they'd had a cushion, <laughs> they would have dropped yes. points because they'd. And he has done that before yeah. when he has won at a canter in other leagues. We well, look at what Barca did against Celta Vigo before the Liverpool game. They they just put the kids out and lost two 0 and it didn't work for them. And I, funny enough, I think there's probably a theory to be had that resting all of your players the weekend before a major semi-final is a really bad idea and never worked. <laughs> and, 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 and Pep did that with Bayern and he did it before the Real Madrid game and it didn't work yeah. uh, in his first season at Bayern. So it, it doesn't necessarily have that effect. But, but also but, you don't necessarily do it because yeah. you know that it doesn't work all the time. So it might have but been that, have done something. that they'd have ended up with, if Liverpool had finished with 85, as Hugh says, then City might have ended up with, I don't know, 92, 91, something like that just because they'd have been able to take the foot, foot off the pedal. Mm-hmm. I think that is right that, they, that Liverpool pushed them. I agree with Chinch. I think that until Guardiola leaves, there is very little chance that City get fewer than, let's say, 93 points. Mm-hmm. And after he goes, it basically it looks like Mikel Arteta's the, the, the man who they want to continue, although I think they like Pochettino as well. It, it depends largely on how the squad mm-hmm. adapts to the new, the new methods. I can't see Liverpool getting 97 points ever no. again. No. I can't see any other team in the Premier League getting no, leaping to 95 next year or the year after or the year after that. So I think we have to accept that for the for the foreseeable future, what will define the season 
and the, or the the um, the destiny of the Premier League title is how much City have to adapt their workload to try and win the Champions League. Yeah. Well, of course, any members of the media pleased that City won the league were us because we said at the beginning of the season when we were looking ahead, when we were having our, you know, throwing things forward, we sort of predicted that we were entering this phase yeah. of City dominance that could actually be detrimental to English football because the others would just not even visualise the ability to keep up. So, you know, amazing that Liverpool were able to push them the distance because I don't think anybody saw that coming. Lots of people thought Liverpool would finish second. I don't think anybody saw Liverpool no. getting to, to 97 points. So, but, but I agree with Rory absolutely that City have proved over the last two seasons the, the number of points that they are capable of accruing. But the reality is that Liverpool got 22 more points this season than they did last season. So the chances are they're going to drop back to something in between those two markers. That logic would dictate that. And we haven't seen a great deal of evidence really that the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal and even Tottenham are going to be able to get into the mid-90s and certainly, and maybe we can get on to Manchester United at some point, I think the, another lesson we've learned from this season is that just how far Manchester United have fallen in terms mm-hmm. of being a, a realistic uh, we'll, contender. We'll come to non, non-Premier League title races, uh, non, non-title race issues in, in just a moment, but Chinch, you are going to say it something was just about City It did get a bit tedious, a bit predictable with, with the two sides being so good at the end of the season, but we should maybe enjoy this season because... I agree with everyone else. We're not going to get this again from Liverpool mm. or from anybody else. So maybe we've looked at it and it has been a bit boring because they've just they've just splattered teams at the end of the season. But I, I'm I'm convinced we're not going to see sides challenge City to this degree again. And, and this is the first time we've had a proper title race, yes, really, that, for, yeah. for, for that, five yeah. or six years. For yeah. that reason, we should probably say, yes, it was it was in strange circumstances, but to have it this tight, to go to the final day, all those things were things that we haven't had a lot of recently, so we should probably celebrate that. What, what you want in any season is that when you get into May, that the title's not decided, that Four, third and fourth or fourth place certainly isn't decided and that relegation isn't completely decided and to be fair to this Premier League season it ticked all those boxes pretty much the way that fourth place wasn't decided was inherently unsatisfactory <laughs> yeah because I mean Spurs basically lost all of their games <laughs> since February <laughs> and Arsenal lost nearly all of theirs yeah uh, away from home since February and so they were they were unable to take advantage so what does that mean what do we take what's our hot take and take away from that the mediocrity yeah. of the so-called top sides. Or the, That's, I'm very, the inability to do what yeah. title challenges used to be unable to do, which is to maintain both European and domestic. I know players. it's my age, but I'm, I'm looking at this season and I do, I do look at it very negatively. I, I don't think, if you t- take away the title race, it's not been a good Premier League season. A lot of the football I've seen hasn't been great. That race for... You know, they're the sides that you're looking at to say, well, Man City clearly the best side. Liverpool have made huge strides forwards. Well, right Arsenal, right Tottenham. It's up to you, over to you now. Make it a three or four horse race, maybe to threaten City. They're miles away. Chelsea, they're miles away. Spurs, Spurs, anywhere Spurs close. potentially. I mean, Spurs could, really? be, could be champions of Europe by the end of the season. Yeah, but again, Premier League. Winning yeah. the Premier League. Can you see them ever... How far, how far behind? How far behind City were were Tottenham? Did they finish four? 20, did they finish uh, four? Twenty seven points. No, twenty six. Twenty six points. That's yeah. that's that's crazy. Oh, no, sorry, I Chelsea they, were twenty six points behind. Sorry. All right. It highlights how great City are. But and again, do you did did Tottenham give up a little bit of their Premier League? season to win the champion I'm not sure they no, actually did they do did, that at no, all but let's let's put it into a little bit of context because in recent seasons we've not seen English clubs go all the way to 
yeah. major European finals on a regular basis. But what we have been treated to subsequently is a fairly thrilling contest in terms of who finishes where in the top six to qualify for next season. Whereas by contrast, what we've got this season is thrilling. Full... You'd call it thrilling? No, no in, the past. Oh, in the past. In the past. Sorry. Whereas Sorry. this season... He was, was too distracted by the strawberries. Yeah. I was. They into very lovely strawberries. You eat, I'll talk. <laughs> Sorry. Then we'll, well, then we'll which swap is, roles. Which is the opposite from the first 30 minutes. Can I just say strawberries? <laughs> what we've seen this, this season instead is a full house of English teams in the European finals. So there has got to... That has got so to have an implication. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've, we, however big your squads are and Chelsea and Arsenal obviously are pretty much as well equipped as any team in Europe to to go all the way through the Europa League but that is going to have an impact in, in what you're then subsequently able to do at the weekend because those games are pretty regular in the second half of the season and even you've got to play the extra round you've got to play the round of 32 in the Europa League they take on a huge workload that was always in order to reach the Europa League final that was going to have an impact on yeah. Arsenal and Chelsea's ability to compete mm. at the level required to challenge comprehensively to make sure they finished in the top four again. But yeah, I think that, I, yeah. obviously Chelsea achieved it, but it, you know, unspectacularly. And there was, by the way, just uh, twenty-seven points between City and Tottenham, twenty-six between City and Chelsea. Yeah, so they've mit- mitigating yeah, circumstances, is, yeah. and again, so too for so too for Tottenham in particular. You know, in terms of their 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 squad of quality rather than quantity in reaching a Champions League final as well as trying to compete in the Premier League which there is a takeaway from I think that, that I think that Spurs have proved or disproved whichever you want to go for this addiction to transfers is completely unnecessary and that I th- funny enough, you can make a similar case for both City and Liverpool that City, they, obviously they signed players, but last summer, particularly Liverpool, were very forensic with what they did. I, th- I genuinely, here's the media bias, I think Liverpool are the smartest club in the Premier League. I think they, if you look at the way they recruit, they are the cleverest club. Um, and City are a very close second. The only reason they, they are second in that um, particular race is because I, I want Liverpool to finish first. Or something. <laughs> the, um, the no, potentially that because no, Riyad Mahrez didn't work quite well, no, quite as well. Bearing in mind their 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 recruitment policy and the the kind of everything that all the hoops that they jump through to try and get the right player, it hasn't necessarily worked out as immediately as they want. And also the resources to. they have available. Yes, they they it makes they, it easier for them to yeah. have a mistake. But yeah. given two points for recruitment policy, so they win the league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about that? How about the, that? The actual. But the other thing is that I think City in the last couple of years have had they've not had many kind of missteps in the transfer market, but they've had more than Liverpool, who've basically been flawless. Every 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 Liverpool signing has worked out. Yeah. Uh, City, you can make a case that Benjamin Mendy wasn't particularly bright signing, um, in two ways. <laughs> the uh, the. Yeah, Mares was a Mares has, has contributed, but he he did cost sixty million quid. He is he their is record, record signing, signing. Uh, in, in, but in a in a market where yeah. sixty million quid isn't necessarily that much. But also the the, the difference that 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 Liverpool signings has is something you've mentioned before. Jurgen Klopp tells them at the beginning, it's going to take you a few months yeah. to settle in. The Liverpool fans allow that to happen. Don't question it. Don't necessarily say, well, why isn't Naby Keita already brilliant? He costs close yeah. to £50 million. Pounds. Um, and they come good after a period of time that suits them because it means that they're bedded in longer term and the signings are much more of a, a, a sensible, as you say, investment. And the other thing with City that should be mentioned is that they've missed players who they were in for and all, well, to an extent almost paid the price. They wanted Jorginho. 
who went to Chelsea. I know everyone decided Jorginho was terrible in November, and it turned out actually he's really good by March. <laughs> but they wanted, to, they needed cover for, for, for Fernandinho, and if they were going to have lost the title, it would have been because they didn't have cover for, for Fernandinho. And, they and also in fact, Ilkay Gundogan getting better at that role saved them because yeah. there was a period of about three to four weeks, beginning of April, end of March, where he wasn't playing particularly well. He was particularly isolated in the 4-3 defeat, mm-hmm. uh, 4-3 win, but the defeat in the Champions yeah. League. But his ability to figure that out, or Pep's ability to figure that out, helped them markedly in the last four or five games of the season. Uh, the, they also wanted Fred, who, which, is amazing, which, which actually, to be honest, suggests that the scouting at City isn't working quite as well as it ought to be. But they've missed a few players, which I think is, is, is a little, just a, not a black mark, but it's a little kind of question mark against them. Again, Liverpool have got the targets they wanted. So I think from recruit, a recruitment point of view, Liverpool have been really forensic. Spurs obviously haven't signed anybody. City have been forensic, but not quite as forensic as Liverpool. And what the fact that they are two of the, the Champions League finalists and the league champions says to you that, that this idea of let's go and throw loads of money at lots of players and have these total overhauls, that is not how it works anymore. That is not best practice. Manchester United would do really well to learn from that this summer and not to think we have to go and sign six players. Go and sign two or three who really improve you and you will notice a massive difference. A perfect segue to what was uh, prompted by Stephen earlier. If you think about the top six in the Premier League, City won the league, two to five are in a European final and then sit Manchester United in sixth after a terrible end to the season. Which says a lot about the Premier League as well, that United have been this bad and have finished sixth. Well, the, the fact that Marco Silva at Everton was actually asked at the end of the season whether he thought Everton could break into the top six next season, well, that is a question that not, would not have been asked of yeah. him in February. But so badly have United done in the latter stages What's, of the season and, yeah. and so much as it offered that opportunity to others that those are the kind of questions that are going to get asked at the likes of Marco Silva yeah. Nuno Espirito Santo Brendan Rodgers they will all believe hang on a second there's an opportunity but for what's the gap to... from 6th to 7th? 6th to 7th reasonably um, sizable isn't uh, it? is 9 points 9 points so it's still it's not a point or two and again you're right United in terms of how they've been this season how they ended the season to still finished sixth, nine points clear of seventh. That's a gap I wouldn't probably have expected. That might expect that to be a little bit And there tighter. is a little bit of recency bias because United's end of the season was terrible, but they are only six points off third. Mm-hmm. And also they only lost 10 games compared to Spurs' 13. And we know that that's yeah. Spurs losing 13 because, as we said, Maurizio Pochettino refuses to draw any games ever. But, but Manchester United's record on the face of it compared to those teams that they would want to be in the mix with, mm-hmm. third, fourth isn't actually that bad, but we are affected yeah. by how the season mm. finished. And Cardiff, what, winning uh, Old Trafford for the first time since 1960 or something like that to round it all off? Nothing demonstrates how far United have fallen over the course of the last few seasons that on the final day against Cardiff, they had a penalty incorrectly awarded against them <laughs> at the Stretford end. <laughs> I mean, for Pallister, Bruce, Vidic, Ferdinand yeah, yeah. to have considered a penalty, I think they'd have had to have got out a crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> and instead a Cardiff player just sort of stumbles over their own feet and oh yeah penalty that that sort of demonstrates that, that that sort of sense of invincibility that United once held or spent two decades holding over the rest of the Premier League has kind of evaporated I, a little bit I have an awkward question to ask I can't borrow you any money I can't lend you any money that's, <laughs> I can't give you any more will we all I'll give you the, that 30 round eventually okay was <laughs> that how you paid for the extension <laughs> I um, were we all kind of wrong about Mourinho? Do we? 
how do we like look at Mourinho now? Does at the time I was sure he was totally kind of overplaying it. That I, I still think if you look at United squad on paper, they've got some really good players, and it wasn't as bad as Mourinho was making out. And equally, Mourinho always complains about that. So you kind of think, well, this is just him. This is just Jose banning on about what he always bans on about. He wants more money. It's not his fault, blah, blah, blah. But you look at what's happened after the, the major sort of Philip when Solskjaer came in. You look at what's, ha- what's happened since. And you kind of have to think, well, actually, I mean, maybe I'm not, I'm not going to say we owe Jose Mourinho an apology. We definitely don't. <laughs> but he probably still owes us an apology. <laughs> um, for something, yeah. yeah. The, um, for dismantling that Corby trouser press in the Lower Room. <laughs> and. <laughs> But yeah, he was, was only staying out of guilt. Yeah. He didn't want anybody to see it. Ed, <laughs> um, some bad, I'm a little bit bored this afternoon. <laughs> was he? Um, was he? Was, 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 jo, was Jose right? What Jose might have been particularly right about that he was trumpeting and we kind of brushed under the carpet a little bit was their achievement last year to finish second. Yes, which yeah. he said was one of his finest yeah. ever, and he may well have been right, bearing in mind what's happened this season and the and the difference between United's performance this season and their performance last season and the difference between. Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham and Arsenal ahead of them now mm. when of course they were below them last season. Although, I mean, they're, they're, they do still have some really good players and just because they, they went and subsequently got another manager who wasn't really good to manage them doesn't mean Mourinho was managing them well this season. They, they, might this season. Be, they might both be bad. Yeah, it's possible <laughs> that they are both bad managers. Yeah, I don't think we owe Mourinho an apology. Uh, he isn't the major contributor to what problems there clearly are at Old Trafford. But he could have probably done more than most to help resolve it and didn't do so because he stuck belligerently to what he believed were the right methods rather than the ones that would have worked for that collection of players. I think we've talked before about this idea because it was a similar situation with Mark Hughes Mm. at Southampton, much further down the pecking order. You know, look at what Ralph Harsenhutl has done there is why you would go, no, this is what I... I want these 20 guys to do what I think rather than I'm going to adapt ever so slightly to what more suits mm. those 20 players. And he, he and, and he's also created that culture of... That, that blame culture that ultimately has contributed to the flurry of good results under Solskjaer dropping off because the players now feel as though there is an explanation to be given that isn't simply they didn't play as well yeah, as yeah. they might have mm-hmm. done or should have done. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, should we spend any time on relegation or is that not that, that much of a surprise? I think Fulham are, are a bit of a surprise, bearing in mind our pre-season predictions, but they changed their manager in, in a way that they might not have done. Yeah, but then is it the owner's son decided to buy all these players and say the, how brilliant we were in getting promoted? And they were one of the best championship teams I've ever seen. To do what they did... By the players that they did, Cessignon didn't play, Kenny didn't play, McDonald, all the successful players from the previous season were shelved. They spent 105 million on players, and look at where they are now. Again, you can't you can't play fantasy football, especially with a team that had proved itself as successful. Look at what Wolves did; they maybe changed two or three players and enhanced what they had the, the season before. Fulham completely dismantled everything that was good about their football from the previous season, uh, and it went horribly wrong. The only takeaway from the bottom three is that is is this forty point barrier thing mm. becoming a bit of a myth as well. Yeah. I, I don't so you said I, the bottom three, their points collectively, seventy six no relegated teams have ever got as few points. The bottom three got seventy six points between them, mm. which is the fewest 
ever in a 20 wow. league 20 team Premier League season. If you consider that between them, they got 111 points as recently as 2011, it's, ba- it's basically been steadily downwards. But is that them as teams, or is that the structure of the league? Do we think but a combination of both? Because Huddersfield, Cardiff, Fulham—they clearly weren't great teams. Well, we've spoken about the number of points available. There aren't yeah. that many available because yeah. City and Liverpool have taken. But in, in the season that Derby only but got is, 11... is that the reason they go down, or is it inherently that they're they're poor football teams? I think it's the reason behind the statistical yeah. anomaly of them having mm. the fewest. I points. was really bored yesterday when I worked this out. By the way, <laughs> um, Derby in the season that Derby went down with the record fewest, eleven points. Is that Paul Jules Derby? No, Paul, sorry, yeah, Paul Jules Paul Derby. Derby. Yeah. The, <laughs> The other two still that went down with them still managed to drag the, the tally up to 82 okay. collectively. So even in what was the record low, mm. was still, you know, accumulatively more points. So even in a dual laden Premier League yeah. season, they could still get, two <laughs> three could get more points. Yeah. There, there probably is a broader yeah. conclusion to be taken from. There's, there's been a change in the makeup of the Premier League over the last like 10 years where we've got a lot of these, and this is going to offend a lot of people, smaller clubs coming up. And I would classify Huddersfield, Cardiff, and Fulham really as 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 sort of smaller clubs compared to Leeds, Villa, both Sheffield teams, Derby, Derby, those teams who Forest, are in our uh, reset Premier League, yes, Sunderland, West Brom, yeah, West Brom. Mm-hmm. They're kind of bigger clubs than than quite a lot of the teams that make up the Premier League now. And a lot of those stories have been amazing, and a lot of them are really welcome, and a lot of them are really well-run clubs. But I I do I don't know I I think that there has been a change in the nature that. The stereotype always used to be that English in the last 10 minutes of a game when one team was winning 2-0, in England, the team that was losing would still keep on going for it. Whereas in Spain and Italy, they would think, this is gone, let's conserve our energy for, for battles to come. One, both of which are mm-hmm. legitimate approaches. Um, I think that's changed, and I think partly that's to do with the, the general expectation levels at a, lot, at a lot of the Premier League teams. Now, if you look at them, there are a lot of relatively small teams, not who are glad to be there, but who are not, who aren't likely to push the lead on. Who, there's no, there's not a huge amount. It can of, only go so far. There's a limit to what Brighton say uh-huh. can be, and like Brighton are a really well-run club. They've got an amazing training ground. They've got a brilliant stadium. They they do a lot of things right. But there is a limit to what Brighton can ever be, especially in the modern era. Um, and I, w- I do wonder whether if you had, and we're going to get Sheffield United back next mm-hmm. year with any luck, we get one of Leeds or Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not no no disrespect to Derby or or West Brom, but those two are properly kind of titanic clubs. And I just wonder whether getting more of those teams back might might drag everybody up a little bit because at the moment it it's felt for a long time this season that everyone kind of knew. Look, thirty three points will probably yeah. do it. Thirty four points. It's not. Or just playing in the Premier League do things to clubs as well. You might talk about Leeds and Villa having a much better chance than than Cardiff and Huddersfield. You're probably right. But once you get into the Premier League, do you start to play football differently? play a bit more conservatively possibly. just to survive and not yeah. to move forward. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Mm. Southampton have stayed up in each of the last two seasons by basically drawing all of their games. Yeah. yeah. And that's effective. Effect- yeah, 39 points, almost exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think they got 37 the season before. But did they set out to do that or has that just happened? No. Just conceded. Certainly, oh. if they played in the championship, <laughs> played in the championship, that wouldn't get you anywhere. So no. you have to play football in a different way. I remember speaking to the... Um, if you drew every game in the championship, you would get 100 points. <laughs> when speaking to Darren Moore and when Graham Jones was brought in, their mindset was they were so poor in the Premier League, they're, they were trying to save themselves every game rather than try and win it. They completely changed. And you see in the season, scored loads of goals, conceded loads of goals, but their mindset was we go into the championship and we attack it 
we completely changed. So they clearly had two different ways of playing. That's why I was saying about if you drop down, how, what, what happens to your approach? If you move into the Premier League and you were like Sheffield United or Norwich, a real attacking team, open team, will you still play the same way? You can say, yes, we will. But when it comes to the crunch, yeah. first five, ten games, you haven't won any. Yeah. After Very that. quickly, you start to say, well, we've got to try and set. And you, 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 your brand of football changes completely. But I think what we, what we are seeing increasingly is that if you come up and you attack, you you get results. Yeah. And at Fulham, you get enough. You, enough. you don't need mm. a lot. You, there is no point being cautious and hoping to hang on for a few draws. You may as well go go out and Fulham are kind of the, the counter-argument to this, but you may as well go out and say, we are going to win one in every four games if we play like this. Whereas if we if we play more defensively, we might, we might draw, draw two in every four. You know, we might avoid defeat. So I, I do think there's an argument that that you should come up and think, maybe not against the big teams, against the big teams you probably do have to shut up yeah, and yeah. just hope, hope yeah. to hang on. But well, those results really don't come into your thinking, it's against yeah. everybody else. Although yeah. I think, I, that, that's what I mean about, the bit about, about Leeds and Villa, I think that it's harder for Man City and Liverpool and whoever else to go to Villa Park mm-hmm. and pop the ball around and not yeah. have anyone challenge them mm-hmm. because at some point the Holt end or the cop at Leeds will get annoyed with watching the, these teams that they genuinely hate and are not happy to see because they, they, those fans believe that they should be playing mm-hmm. those teams as, as peers. And, and 10 wins will probably keep you safe. Ten wins. Try and win ten. Cardiff won ten this season, but they only drew four, so that's why they went down. But ten wins will probably do that. If you win one every four, roughly, that works Mm -hmm. out as ten wins. Um, I'm going to finish the conversation before we move on to our SPM PLPL reveal uh, by just trying to answer the question that was posed at the very beginning. We've said the quest for perfection race we don't necessarily think is the best. The nobody's perfect race, we preferred, but do we like the Devon Lock, the team that has a big lead and drops it, or the games in hand, somebody that comes from uh, below and wins their games in hand to take a leader's position? Do we like any of those uh, more than the nobody's perfect race? I'm too soft to like the Devon Lock. I, you I, feel I, bad. I feel too sorry for the team. That, I mean, it's just devastating to see it happen. So I, but I quite like a games in hand permutation drama. Mm. Yes. Anybody yeah. feel yeah, strongly about another, number two or number yeah. four? Yeah, let's see. I mean, it, it, it depends who's playing mm. the role of Devon Locke, but let's assume that whoever yeah. plays it, you know, you've, you'd feel for them. So, yeah, I think the, the coming from behind triumphantly making up the uh, making up. But the it's, wishful, it's wishful thinking in years to come. We're, we're not going to see that, are we? We're going to see these clubs well, certainly. The media city will this. hope, obviously, that. But uh, yeah, you can hope does for happen. it. But and, genuinely, um, do we hand on heart feel it will Liverpool, with, with no. the teams? Liverpool do the games in hand over the Devon Lock Manchester City. Yeah. The, that, that, that's my main, my, and it may well be. The, the, it's been a really long season. That's my main takeaway. It's lasted. It seems. It's, I'm sure it's gone on for like three years. But it's the toxicity now of everything. The kind of the the hostility between everybody. The mm. the way that clubs and fan and clubs themselves behave and. The, the fact that fans increasingly, or a, p- a proportion of fans from all clubs, are, are not willing to tolerate any, any kind of criticism or negativity, the, the, the blinkedness, it, it, I found the last six weeks extremely tiring. Is that society or football? I think it's all of society. It's all, all it? of okay. society. And it's actually, funny enough, Chinch, I think that society has borrowed it from football. Right? Oh, oh okay. that, I think we've yeah. seen the footballification of politics. And that's, that, to be honest, football doesn't really matter. It doesn't mm. actually matter, which is... Yeah, Jacob Rees-Mogg yeah. is definitely not a centre-half. Uh, f- f- football did it first, mm. and we did it in episode number six. Yeah. Exactly. And this is yeah. 129. We were half of doing Yes, it's yeah. still Frankly. been going. And if you think that we haven't touched on that as much as you expected, if you've been following Rory's Twitter conversations over the last uh, few days... Which we're about to stop, because I've got back into it. Are you taking a break? 
uh, from Twitter, from yeah. that Twitter conversation. I'm, I'm done. I am done. You're done with, that with that it until we resurrect it once again, because over the summer we'll be having a conversation that touches on these themes. Um, so uh, that's why we're parking it here now, and also because if we do do it as part of our hot takes and takeaways, uh, Rory's Rory's uh, blood pressure. Mm. will rise to dangerous I'm not levels. a healthy man. Uh, now, instead of a soccer story, and it takes something very special to usurp the time offered to the depths of Andy Hinchcliffe's <laughs> rather fading memory, but instead <laughs> of a soccer story today, it is time to bring the much-awaited, no doubt significantly heralded results of the SPMPLPL to those people who haven't simply gone onto the website to look at themselves already. Now, once again, this year, Set Piece Menu has provided you with the lowest maintenance version of fantasy sports. The SPM Premier League Predictions League is not only clumsily named, it is only exciting for roughly three weeks of the season. We asked you to tell us who would finish where. If you're right, it's zero points for each team. One away is one point, and so on and so on. So the task is to finish with as few points as possible. And if you finished on the same points, your position was determined by how many you got bang on and then by how many you got that were just one away. Not unlike the Premier League title race, the drama lasted right until the end. So if you've been following your progress at tinyurl.com forward slash set piece menu and hoping that West Ham did indeed beat Watford to swap places with them on the final day, then firstly, well done. And secondly, really? Firstly, then, how did we do? The mm. answer is... How many is, people entered? Uh, more than 600. Oh, my God. Really? So well done us. Uh, not very well was the answer to the question of how we did. In oh, as in us, the four place, of us. The four of us. In fourth place out of the four of us uh, comes in at 151st place. So it's not that bad. It's not bad. Top quarter percentile. Um, 25 percentile. I don't know how that works. It's an American phrase. Um, with 36 points, Stephen Wyeth. Hello. Congratulations. Steve, it should be said, out of the four of us, got the most bang on. Eight out of the 20, bang on. The rest of it, horrible. And I would like, and I would like to suggest I would have been a contender if Southampton had bothered to play any of their final mm. games with any sort of conviction whatsoever. But that just shows you eight wins is not going to do anything for you over the course of a season. <laughs> Southampton was six away with uh, Steve's guess, Fulham five away, and West Ham seven below. Yeah, I thought, I thought West Ham was that, worst? Is that the worst? Season. Was worst, that one he got was, most horribly wrong? Was West Ham. In fact, it was the worst out of all four of us in terms of how bad we were. <laughs> West so West Ham, Ham was West your Ham. undoing. Let's focus on the eight that I got bang on. <laughs> okay, shall, shall we? Just, yes. Yeah. Leave the mocking out. Well, let's wait until... Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, in uh, third place of the four of us, uh, with 34 points, so two better than Steve, in 135th place was Chinch. Um, I'm happy with that. Ripple of applause. Four bang on. Four? Um, oh, only four. And Bournemouth were your uh, undoings. Um, really? In 100th place... With 32 points and second in the SPM PLPL SPM League, uh, is Hugh. Terrible. Oh, terrible, there's a winner. Terrible predictions of bang on. Only two, but one away was 11 out of the 20. So oh. very close. Again, Bournemouth and Fulham, my undoing. Mm. And also on 32 points, no. but by virtue of being four bang on, not two. In 92nd position overall, ladies and gentlemen, Rory Smith. Well, Congratulations. 92nd out of how many? 600. 600. That's, not, that's, that's impressive. Not, not yeah. bad. Brighton and Hove Albion, you were pretty bad with Fulham and Newcastle also. What, what did he we predict for Brighton then? Brighton were 12th, according yeah. to Rory. Yeah. Brighton 12th. Incidentally, <laughs> uh, there was a team composed of the average positions from all 600 plus entries. They, like Rory and I, finished with 32 points, but owing to the fact that the selections had one more team that 
finished one away than mm. Rory. The average 11 came in one place above Rory, would you believe? Rory mm. Smith, Mr. Middle of the Could Road, which is, I think, everybody's fine. That's how I think of myself. You. Who won? Uh, we're getting to it. This, it's, it's only like a Manchester City trophy party. You have to build up to the final moment. Uh, one person got the top four and bottom three. Both in the correct order. One person out of 600. So well done to Jay Teller. Although 442nd place overall suggests the rest of your predictions Jackson were terrible. Jackson Teller out of Sons of Anarchy. That's him. Um, we also we also genuinely, and I'll show them to you guys a little bit later on, uh, we have some excellent graphs with incredibly interesting info that we shall tweet out. They demand more scrutiny than we have time for now, okay. but they are genuinely interesting as a microcosm of how the Premier League finished compared to people's predictions overall. There's percentages and you can't beat a microcosm, can you? I love a microcosm. Mm. But now, Has Billy not been busy? Billy, Billy was busy, but he was busy <laughs> until about half past ten last night, doing it right up to the deadline. Um, to the results that count, bearing in mind our winner last year got 44 points, we should say well done to everybody. Mm-hmm. Because in third place, with 22 points and seven bang on, is Richard Kilpatrick with the Didsbury Smoggies. Well done, Richard cursing the final day results because before it he was leading with 18 points he got the top six exactly right he's had a very I know Richard very well he's a Middlesbrough fan he thought they were going to get the top six missed out <laughs> top of the table missed out so he's uh, he's done the double this season uh, so excellent Richard, news he's also a local councillor here he is Didsbury. he is um, and uh, yeah f- f- Hinchcliffe family friend and big podcast listener so thank you very Chinch much if you have all, any Chinch knows all the councillors he does know all the councillors it's because he's a former tree fella and he has to know them so that he can different type of council I know. Um, in second, also with 22 points, but with nine bang on, because that's the tiebreaker, is from Russia with love and Ed Makura. Ed, congratulations. Well done, Ed. Well done. But our second annual, nobody knows Ed, but our second annual SPM PLPL champion who had the final day to thank for his eventual 18 points with eight bang on is... We might be ruining all the... <laughs> all the equipment with this. David Kelly and Conte Biast. Oh, oh excellent. Well done, David. <laughs> so, David Kelly, you are our SPM PLPL <laughs> champion. One of the best names as well. Um, you went City, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea. So, that, that mm-hmm. was uh, reversed. Arsenal and Manchester United in the right spot. Everton and Wolves were reversed. You had them in 7th and 8th. Uh, West Ham, Leicester, Watford, Palace. Watford and Palace spot on. Burnley, Newcastle, Fulham were your worst with four away. Bournemouth, Brighton spot on. Southampton, Cardiff and Huddersfield were that's, indeed that's impressive. 20th. Uh, 20th. So congratulations, mm. David. You have a significant and as yet undetermined hall of prizes heading your way, the weight of which will diminish the further away from South Manchester you live <laughs> because there are postage uh, commitments that I'm not prepared to make. Uh, thank you to everyone who played. We had double the amount of entries for our second year. Do if you know that happens again, we might break the spreadsheet. Do you know what um, the prize should be in honour of this, this set-piece menu? campaign is this that something had. that we can afford I think you should send him some of that badger arse tea <laughs> <laughs> Conte be asked tea uh, coffee coffee that's coffee. it how about uh, coffee that's been through our digestive <laughs> systems should we send him some of that that's I think you should send him the, ba- the badger bum coffee badger, I've also got a Croatian chocolate that wouldn't last in the post which might be worth sending um, so thank you to all um, that spreadsheet that I spoke about blowing up if we get double the amount next year um, has once again been fastidiously put together observed and audited by best man Billy uh, thank you Billy his sterling work goes mostly unnoticed mostly by us uh, so if you are heading back to the website to see where you finished tinyurl.com forward slash set piece menu 
just click on the link to buy Billy a coffee. Uh, he deserves it, I promise. He does some wonderful work for us and fixes any glitches. And he has produced those extra graphs as well that we'll put on at Set Piece Menu over the coming So the, the title race for this, this competition. Very exciting. Far more exciting than Liverpool-Man City. Much more exciting because there were mu- many more slip-ups. Mm. On the final day. On the final day. Brilliant. Richard Kilpatrick. Yep. Who knows you. He's a bottler, to be fair. He is a bottler. He is. Next yeah. week, the soccer story uh, will return... Even in Chinch's absence, which is a very clever bit of uh, really? audio editing. Uh, and remember, if you have one, please do send it in to us to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Please leave Rory alone on Twitter. Thank you to Rory, <laughs> Andy and Steve and to you all for listening. We'll be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. It's not them that's the problem. It's not the people who actually kind of... Please tell other people. Yeah, just... Come to my defence. It was. Do you know what? It was somebody sent you a screen grab of a Premier League table, which they claimed showed that City had been ten points behind in the title race at some point. It was literally a screen grab of a table midway through the Premier League weekend. Half the teams have played twenty games. Half the teams have played nineteen. That is not a demonstration of a gap between teams. That's a demonstration of the fact that some teams have played their games and some teams. Haven't. That's like that thirty-two yeah. league changes is really yeah, annoying. Yeah, yeah, there weren't thirty-two league no, changes. Yeah. That was because one team played on a Saturday and another team played <laughs> on Sunday. Sunday. But you try and again, I'm done with this. But you <laughs> definitely you done with. Try this. and make that point, and all you get is, "Oh my God, mate, you've drawn there. Oh my God, mate, yeah. you've drawn. You've done. Oh, you've lost it. You've completely lost it here. Oh my God, you're so desperate. You're salty. Whatever." And it's Take, take the what? L, mate. Take the Salty. L. Salty. Salty, yeah. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's exhausting. Because I was toying Genuinely with the idea exhausting. of joining in with this social media no, fun. don't. Um, but you put me off. Yeah, it's awful. You, yeah. Chinch, you are far too much a precious little stone. I am. Honestly, I, I would not I subject you to that. I'm like a hard-boiled sweet. There you was tough to, exterior, but yeah, very to, soft inside. You want to get to what you've always done, which is writing your opinions largely in the snow outside people's offices. Well, that worked, didn't it? I felt better about it. Where they got the idea for Twitter. Is it? (laughs) Just on a smaller scale.